All that you touch, you change. All that you change, changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. That quote comes from the wonderful book by Octavia Butler through her character, Lauren Oya Olomino. And if you haven't read the Earthseed books, I highly recommend them. That quote is also used in the book that we are talking about uh, this week and this month, The Alchemy of Us. The Alchemy of Us explores this very idea that we shape matter and the world around us, and in turn, are shaped by our creations. I find this exploration fascinating. It's also helpful as professionals and technologists to understand how we can change material or applications and be affected by the changes that we are making, both personally and within society. The alchemy of us has many examples of human inventions, how we created them, and how they created a new world. We won't explore all of them here. You have to check out the book for that. Link in the show notes, of course. But we'll take a few examples and apply them. All right, first up, interacting and tracking time. The first chapter starts the book with an exploration of clocks and timekeeping. And I find the history of time fascinating. And we actually explored it on a podcast last year, along with several other stories. So check that out. The link is, of course, in this week's newsletter at productthinking.cc if you haven't subscribed yet. The book doesn't go as far back in tracking time as we did, but starts with Ruth Belleville, the Greenwich Time Lady. Their family business in the 1800s and through the turn of the century involved ensuring everyone had the right time. At the time, the only way to get an accurate time for your clock was through astronomical observations. So Ruth would visit the observatory, set her clock, and then go around London selling the service of allowing everyone to adjust their clocks to the correct time. All of this because there wasn't a more accurate way to stay in sync. It's incredible. Until the creation of more accurate clocks and watches through quartz crystals and eventually atomic clocks, London relied on the Greenwich Time Lady to set their clocks. So prior to our obsession with clocks and accurate time, we as humans worked in ranges, uh, sunrise, high noon, sundown, etc. But with clocks, we can now accurately tell time to the second and even smaller than that. This was important for a more modern economy, running railroads on time, banking, etc. It also led to the thought experiments that brought us closer to the nature of reality. Einstein, working as a patent clerk, saw many of the patent applications trying to solve the problem of synchronizing railroad clocks. This is so fascinating because I hadn't thought about many of the patents that Einstein was seeing as a patent clerk. And this led to his thought experiments of time and trains moving, and eventually the theory of relativity. So I'm glad that we can accurately track time and that we have a better understanding of our universe and reality. It's hard to imagine not having these things, but our accurate clocks have also enslaved us to time and time tracking. I know I obsess about time and I'm constantly aware of the minutes I spend in meetings or other activities. Many of us, myself included, run our lives by the clock. 
whether it's our own intentions or dictated by others, we're constantly aware of the time, going to school and counting down the minutes to recess, bouncing from meeting to meeting, or allowing ourselves a certain amount of time for specific activities. Our ability to tell time precisely has been massively beneficial, but also changed our lives. And some of the best moments aren't dictated by the clock, but happen when we lose track of time. So how can we allow for more of those moments and less second-by-second planning? I don't know the answer to that, but know that it has been a blessing and a curse to have such accurate time and to be so focused on time. So that was one of the first things and first stories uh, from the book. Another one, conveying information. We live in a world of constant and instant information, but it wasn't always like that. Really fascinating story from Samuel Morse, the creator of the Telegraph and Morse Code. He was originally an artist, and he was away from his wife working on a commission in Washington, D.C. when she fell ill and passed away. Of course, they only had delayed communication through letters delivered by horse riders, so he didn't find out about it until after she had passed away and didn't arrive home until after her funeral. He never had the chance to say goodbye or even be present for the burial. And that profoundly affected him and led him to explore faster, long-distance communication. So Morse eventually created the telegraph and Morse code to transmit short messages over long distances. And this profoundly affected communication in society. Distance was no longer an immense problem and America craved more and more information. When an assassin shot President Garfield, it practically glued Americans to telegraph updates on his condition and eventual passing, which is so, so fascinating. The telegraph created a culture of instant information, something that continues to this day with other forms of communication. It also affected communication itself to keep the telegraphs clear for messages, the cost of each message got more and more expensive the longer it was. So the incentive was for concise messages, often under 10 words. Writers would strip out superfluous words in their dispatches in order to keep them short and make it easy and cost-effective. Families would strip out emotion from messages in order to shorten them. And this flowed through to general writing. Newspapers became more succinct and authors like Hemingway embraced the concise writing style. The invention of the telegraph and Morse code was a massive benefit to society, but also changed communications in ways that would have been hard to foresee. How many of our technologies do the same today? Twitter is an easy comparison, forcing users to shorten posts to 280 characters. And it is one of the most real-time information platforms that we have. Other tools and applications have changed society as well. All of social media has connected us more now than ever before, both for good and bad. Streaming services have changed how we watch movies and television and how we create the shows. And there are so many more examples. When we build our products and technology, we rarely expect them to have world-changing effects, but they can. So it's our responsibility to think through the implications of what we're creating. How can it be used for good? How could it be used for evil? How can it be used in unexpected ways? I go through this exercise often as we add new features and products. We try to understand prior to creating 
how our users and customers might use new updates for good and bad. We can't anticipate everything, but try to think through how those scenarios might play out. And if we think it's worth the change, especially if a good update might end up causing more harm if it's used inappropriately, we need to think through those things. And frankly, we need to think through them a lot more than we do right now. All right, final story from the book, Sharing Data. When Edison created the phonograph, he wanted to record sound and play it back. And he was successful, and this invention changed everything from music to conversation to society. Eventually, this recording of information led to further breakthroughs from digitizing information to hard disks for storing more and more data. And we are now easily able to store massive amounts of information and access it seamlessly. But as the world became data and stored more information, we've also become data ourselves. We can turn everything we do into data to be bought and sold and used. And recording data has been a blessing and a curse. Like many of the innovations before, being able to have so much information is amazing for us, for businesses, for society, but we don't have nearly as much control over our own data as we should. There are many products addressing this, but still have a long way to go in how we manage and share our own information. This was another difficult to foresee use of new technology, but something we need to thoughtfully fix for the future. So conclusion here, The Alchemy of Us was a fascinating read with marvelous stories about innovation and technology and how we've both created new inventions and been shaped by those inventions. As professionals and technologists, it is our responsibility to think through the implications of what we're creating and to fix many of the problems that have come before. So if you liked that, if you like some of those stories, definitely check out the book again, link in the show notes, and you can see more at productthinking.cc. So before we wrap up, some other good links uh, from this week and these past few weeks. First up, Adele gets Spotify to take shuffle button off of all album pages. Uh, I'm surprised it actually took this long. Artists create albums in a certain way and intend listeners to experience the album in that way. I remember this debate when I was young and you could only shuffle CDs rather than on Spotify. Not that we shouldn't be able to skip or shuffle, but it's interesting to think about the order the musician created and why. So check out that link. Uh, Another one, vinyls are now outselling CDs. Uh, This is an article and I've been building my own vinyl collection and really enjoy it. So it's not surprising to me that vinyl is doing well uh, because I'm certainly not the only one, but it's fascinating how the process works and how it can't keep up with demand. Uh, To quote from that article, in the first half of the year, more than 17 million vinyl records were sold in the US, nearly double the number for the first six months in 2020. If you didn't know anything about the formats, you'd be forgiven for thinking vinyl records were a new innovative way to listen to music. But making vinyls remains a long and difficult process, often relying on technology or machines that were pumping out records in the 70s and 80s. Indeed, the New York Times reports that production log jams are now common for artists as vinyl makers rely on decades-old pressing machines. Put simply, supply can't keep up with demand. So check that one out. And finally, another article, The Craft is the End. I really enjoyed this read and agree that 
craft should be the end. I'm not perfect in this, but I realize more and more that status seeking is a dead end. And I prefer the craft itself rather than trying to get into more and more inner circles. All our professions have them, have these inner circles. And I can honestly say that I prefer the outside to the innermost inner circle. Uh, Quoting from this one, for many, the goal of success is to be rich and respected. That's why you work hard. For this person that he was speaking to in the article, the goal is to do the work he thinks is important. Doing the work is the end. C.S. Lewis argued that the answer is craft. If you care about your work for its own sake, you can transcend the petty status seeking that surrounds you. So check out that article, link in the newsletter, of course. Uh, Really great read. And that is it for this week and for our episode of Product Thinking. If you like it, don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And you can go over to our newsletter and check that out. Subscribe uh, to the free version or the paid version. And follow me on social media at Kyle Larry Evans on most platforms. And I will talk to you again next time.